You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. On today's podcast, we're going to take you round the league with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network and Cordell Stewart. Talk Chiefs with Ben Heisler from 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City and provide your playing with science check down. But let's kick off the podcast with Peter King of the MMQB. Now, it's time for 2010 National Sports Writer of the Year, Peter King from MMQB on the NFL on TuneIn. Peter, the game in L.A. going final. The Rams will defeat the Saints 26-20. What'd you take away from this matchup? You know, I think the biggest thing is that, uh, you know, I, I thought last week the Rams losing in Minnesota was not a really damaging blow. If Cooper Cup hadn't dropped a pass at the end of the third quarter, the Rams could well have won that game. And I know that sounds weird, but it is true. And so now the Rams come in and play a a team that's won eight in a row, and they really outplayed them, even though Alvin Kamara tried to steal the game himself. Uh, You know, the Rams are a legitimate, strong Super Bowl contender. They can play really good defense and – uh, you know, I think that they can be an explosive offense with multiple weapons. So I think the Rams proved today that they're, they're going to be a factor in January. Peter, Nick Ferguson, we watched the, the Kansas City Chiefs get off to a hot start earlier this season. And so far, they, they fizzled out. Uh, Kareem Hunt uh, was definitely one of those spark plugs for them on the ground. He has somehow hit the rookie wall. And they've lost five out of their last six games. In a division where the Los Angeles Chargers seem to be catching fire, how can Andy Reid, if at all, turn this thing around? You know, Nick, I think they're going to go to the Jets next week if they don't do something fairly drastic. I think they'll go to the Jets and lose that game. Um, And I think there will be a tie atop the AFC West uh, next Sunday night, unless, unless... Uh, Andy Reid does something drastic, and by that I mean I think he's got to play Pat Mahomes. Andy Reid has always proven that he's never afraid to make a big move when it's necessary. And in my opinion, Alex Smith has showed you enough that he's just not getting the ball downfield well. He's not uh, uh, making any big plays that he made in the first month of the season. You can't blame it all on him because the running game has really gone to pot as well. But to me, I, I, I just think we're at the time, we're at the time of year, we're at the time of the season when you've got to make bold moves as a head coach. You know, your team right now has lost five out of six. Uh, they were 5-0. and oh, They're now 6-5. and five. The San Diego Chargers are going to be 6-6 six and six after they beat Cleveland next Sunday. So it's time for Andy Reid to make a bold move, and that, to me, is playing Mahomes over Alex Smith. Taking you around the league with Peter King, MMQB. Peter, we did not have a chance to chat with you since the Thanksgiving holiday, and it's a final now in Arizona. At the gun with one second left as the veteran Phil Dawson says, get off the field. He just nailed a 57-yard field goal to give Arizona a 27-24 advantage over Jacksonville. 
Peter, my thought is related to Dallas. We know that Jason Garrett isn't going anywhere, at least for now. But if this team continues to implode down the stretch, could you see some changes at least when it comes to the coaching staff because that defense was abysmal on Thursday against the Chargers? Yeah, I I mean, look, in my opinion, the most important thing right now for this team is to play out the last five weeks. It doesn't look like they're going to amount to anything even in a you know in a very uh, semi weak NFC this year but having said that i think it's important that you don't make rash judgments jerry jones is not is not going to do anything uh really rash i don't see him firing jason garrett uh unless unless he thinks that he can get John Gruden. I mean, he's always had a thing for John Gruden. Uh, and so, to me, I think the only way he makes that change is if he thinks he can get Gruden. That's number one. Number two, people in Dallas cannot overreact to the talent on this team and just say, hey, we got to rip things up. They don't have to rip things up. They have a good offensive line that hasn't played great this year. And they have, in my opinion... They've they've got a lot of great skill players that'll look a lot better when Ezekiel Elliott comes back. So I don't think Jerry Jones is going to rip it up, but I do think that there's a chance he'll rip it up if he thinks he could get John Gruden. Over the first couple of games of the season, the Patriots defense seemed uh, a little out of sorts. Uh, We've never seen a Bill Belichick defense give up that many points as they gave up in the first couple of weeks. But if you look at the stats from the last seven games, they've held opponents under 21 points. So is it safe to say that Matt Patricia and Bill Belichick had finally got things squared away on the defensive side of the ball? No question about it. I think that uh, early in the season – Look, you know that Bill Belichick is going to get players to play the way he wants them to play. You know that. And so at some point during this season, you know it wasn't going to be a debacle. You saw Stephon Gilmore with a big interception today. And you knew that Stephon Gilmore was not going to be a guy who'd be making the mental mistakes that he was making the first two or three weeks. And and so to me... I never thought that this was the end of the Patriots. Even that first night in Foxborough, Nick, I just thought that Bill Belichick will figure it out because he always has. He's never been a guy who's got the best talent on defense. He is a guy who always has the best system on defense. Finally, Peter, if we're surveying the balance of power in the AFC with the Steelers presumably with a favorable matchup tonight against the Packers, Brett Hundley's been a turnover machine feels like massive separation between the top of the AFC, New England and Pittsburgh. They're going to play, as you know, next month in the steel city and everybody else. Who do you think could be the third best team in the AFC? We've been talking a lot about Jacksonville, but we saw the limitations once more Blake Bortles in this game. You know, I'm not sure that they'll get the third seed, but the third best team in the AFC right now, without any, any question is the Los Angeles chargers. You've seen it, uh, what's happened, especially the last two weeks. I believe, and I wrote about this for my column tomorrow, that that Phillip Rivers played the best game of his NFL life on Thursday in a game they had to have at Dallas, a dominating performance by him. Um, and, and look, I think Jacksonville, Jacksonville, you know, losing at Arizona is not exactly a stunner. 
It's a surprise, but it's not a stunner. And I do think that if you get behind, they got behind 13 uh, points early to Arizona. It doesn't matter who they get behind. If they get behind 13 points early to anybody, it's going to be very, very hard for them to win because Blake Bortles is not a guy who's going to carry your offense. So this was a game that their defense did not rule the roost. And when that happens, they're going to lose a lot of games. I'll just tell you this, though. They will go back to practice this week, and I will be shocked. You look at Jacksonville's schedule right now. So they're 7-4. and four. They're tied with Tennessee atop the division. You look at Jacksonville's schedule now. They have a three-game homestand coming up. And Indianapolis, Seattle, and Houston all come to Jacksonville. I won't be surprised if they go 3-0. and oh. They'll go at least 2-1. and one. This division is coming down to the end, and I will not be surprised if game number 256 this year happens at Nashville. It's Jacksonville at Tennessee, week 17, the final game of the regular season to win the AFC South. I think there's a good chance the loser of that game still could be a wild card in the AFC. Peter, great information as always. Enjoy Sunday Night Football. We'll chat with you on Tuesday on NFL No Huddle. My pleasure, guys. Thanks a lot. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Country Roads, your all-access pass to everything Nashville. There's a lot better music selection. Marin Morris. Kenny Chesney. Florida Georgia Line. Sam Hunt. Hey, we're all Dominion. We're all we written in the sand. Plus news and interviews with your favorite country stars. Thomas Rhett. You're not giving more than you can handle, and so every day just kind of has its own challenges. I'm Kelly Sutton, bringing you the hottest new country songs on Country Roads. I'm Luke Bryan, cruising the country roads with you on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next up on NFL No Huddle, let's focus on today's top stories with NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport. Now, it's time for NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport. It's the Rap Sheet on the NFL on TuneIn. And what can you tell us about Greg Olson of the Panthers? He came all the way back from that foot injury that sidelined him week two, played today against the Jets, but what's the status of the latest foot issue? Yeah, played about half the snaps during today's game and looked like himself. It was kind of cool to see him out there after nine weeks out, but then obviously ruled out of the game with that foot injury, same foot, But my understanding is this is not a serious issue. The Panthers kept him out uh, off the field, more of a precaution than anything. And just remember, when you have a a broken fifth metatarsal, it takes a long time, months to actually heal. Players get a screw inserted in. They can play earlier, six to eight weeks, but the actual healing isn't complete until the offseason. So there are issues where you still have some pain there, you still have some soreness. Sometimes the scar tissue needs to break up, and that can cause some serious pain. That feels like you're re-breaking. So it sounds like Greg Olson is going to be okay, but they took him off the field as a precaution. And we're watching the game between the Oakland Raiders and the Denver Broncos. Good old-fashioned hate between these two organizations. Uh, there's a melee that <laughs> yeah, broke out. Yeah, I could out. tell. I could tell. <laughs> there's a melee that broke out three minutes in the game. Gabe Jackson, Aqib Tlaib, Michael Crabtree, all ejected from the game. And, and when you look at this situation, what could be – on the horizon for all those involved in this play from from a a league standpoint? Well, the league is going to review this. Uh, Actually, it's two separate instances. You have the fight between uh, Aqib Tlaib, 
uh, and Michael Crabtree, where this is unbelievable, but Tlaib snatched Crabtree's necklace again. Again? This, again. That is a developing story. Thing. We missed that. How did that happen, <laughs> It's unbelievable. He snatched his chain again. I watched the replay like five times. Um, you can see as Tlaib grabs at the neck area, and you can see the chain swinging from his hand as he kind of releases him. Uh, so unbelievably, Tlaib grabs his chain again. They fight. Both get tossed. The league's going to review that. But what we've seen this year and really the last two years is when players are ejected from games, that is basically the suspension. So usually players are not suspended in addition to being ejected. Um, So I would expect that to be the case here. They are facing potential fines, though. Then you have the case of Gabe Jackson. He was ejected for touching an official. Going to be reviewed as well, probably facing a fine. Um, but similar to Marshawn Lynch, not expected to be suspended because he already missed game time. And as we glance at the monitor, Derek Carr just threw another touchdown pass to give the Raiders. With to the point who? They don't have any receivers. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing. 14 nothing is going to be the score, Oakland over Denver. We're taking you around the league with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Ian, coming into this season, there was not a lot of job security for John Fox coming off a three-win season of a year ago. Chicago, 3-8. and eight. No shame in losing to Philadelphia, but they got crushed in this game. What do you think his status is going to be when we get to the offseason? Yeah, well, it's obviously tenuous there, and I would say he's absolutely not on firm footing when it comes to uh, his you know, coaching for his head coaching life, I guess would be a good way to say it. It's his uh, third head coaching job, would likely be his last if he's fired, and you know, the way it's gone now, I, mean, I think it's pretty safe to say that um, Ryan Pace has built a solid base there. You know, they think they have the quarterback of the future. They certainly have a running back. Uh, you got a good offensive line. You have a lot of good pieces on defense. They just haven't won any games. Um, so, you know, that's uh, – I would say it's it's very clear that, that John Fox is uh, – is, could be out at the end of the year, and, you know, we'll see if the Bears choose to make a decision beforehand. And a, and a crazy play today in the game between the New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins. We saw two guys uh, in a vicious collision. Uh, Sonoris uh, Perry, running back for the Miami Dolphins, and Trevor Riley, linebacker for the New England Patriots. What more do you know about the uh, severity uh, and the injury of both players? Uh, well, that's one we're, we are still waiting on. I know that Sonoris Perry was, was, quickly, uh, was quickly ruled out. Uh, he was evaluated for concussion. Um, so that was why he was was ruled out of the game. Obviously, now enters the uh, the NFL's concussion protocol. Wait to see on his status. But obviously, the the running back position for the Miami Dolphins is one we got to keep an eye on because uh, two things we need to know about. First of all, Damon Williams left the game with a shoulder injury, exited the stadium with a sling. Two, if they do need a running back, Darren McFadden was informed today that he is being waived by the Dallas Cowboys. So no one gets released this time of year. Everyone gets waived. So he ends up on the waiver wire. Um, you know, we'll find out Tuesday at 4 p.m. where he goes. But obviously the Miami Dolphins, still technically alive, could be in the market for a running back. Ian, since we have not had a chance to chat with you since the Thanksgiving holiday, what can you tell us about your report on Thursday about the future of Kirk Cousins and how things could play out in our nation's capital? Yeah, I was really surprised, I have to be honest, um, just with, with what I learned while building that report. I mean, they have not made a decision on what they're going to do with Cousins. Uh, it could be the franchise tag, $34 million, then use that to try to do a long-term deal. 
or it could be just to let him walk into free agency, um, see what kind of market he has, and maybe try to sign him that way. I was told it's not expected to be the transition tag, even though that's $6 million less than the franchise tag. They don't think it would save them any money because a team would structure a deal so they'd pay more than $34 million in year one. Um, so his status is still up in the air. And, you know, they beat the Giants. <laughs> was not the prettiest of all things, but it still counts. Um, but, it, you know, his his status will be determined basically, from what I understand, how he plays down the stretch. Ian, great information as always. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll chat with you Wednesday on NFL No Huddle. Look forward to it. Thanks, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Patriots fans, Tom Brady's first audiobook, The TB12 Method, How to Achieve a Lifetime of Sustained Peak Performance, is now playing on TuneIn Premium. As I was running through my typical football training regimen, I knew one thing for sure. I'd never thrown the ball as well as I did that day. In this deeply practical athlete's Bible, listen in as the five-time champion reveals his revolutionary approach to sustain peak performance that has helped him stay at the top of his game. My ability to sustain my peak performance over the past 10 years is almost unbelievable to me. Filled with lessons learned from Brady's personal training experience, the TB12 method also advocates for more effective approaches to cognitive fitness, nutrition, and other lifestyle choices that dramatically decrease the risk of injury while amplifying performance and quality of life. TB12 method focuses on developing and maintaining something that many people have probably never heard of muscle pliability catch the tb12 method how to achieve a lifetime of sustained peak performance by tom brady on TuneIn premium today this is nfl no huddle the podcast here are your hosts brian weber and cordell stewart this is nfl no huddle the podcast now let's spotlight the chiefs with ben heisler from 610 sports radio in kansas city ben a lot of issues to dissect what do you think are the primary reasons why kansas city has imploded there's a couple of reasons, guys. I think the first primarily is you have to look at Alex Smith. Alex Smith, the first five weeks of the season, was a legitimate MVP candidate. And I think people sort of looked at it and said, okay, like when is the regression going to come? When is he going to turn back into a pumpkin and look like Alex Smith? And I know that a lot of the stats have come on him as well. He wins games. And the problem is that they haven't been winning games in, in the last four games, lost four in a row, five of their last six. Uh, and the AFC West, which initially about a month or so ago looked almost completely locked up by Kansas City, is now very much in play for the L.A. Chargers. The Raiders have an opportunity to make a run, uh, but certainly quarterback play has fallen on him and it's fallen on hard times. And how about Kareem Hunt? This was somebody that looked like he was going to break all sorts of single-season rush, uh, rushing records the first three, four weeks of the season. Uh, he came in against the Buffalo Bills team that have been giving up about 180 combined yards on the ground the past four or five weeks and 1,000 rushing yards over the last eight weeks of the season. They've looked atrocious since they traded Marcel Darius to Jacksonville. Well, Kareem Hunt couldn't get anything going today either. He's such a valuable part of the team. He only had 11 attempts for 17 yards, one catch for nine yards on the day. Uh, When Alex Smith and Kareem Hunt aren't getting the job done, it's certainly going to make everybody else look bad around them. The defense has been better the last couple games, but they've been instead of giving up a ton of yards on the ground. So, there's a lot of issues right now in Kansas City, but I certainly think the dominant ones are on the offensive side of the ball. Ben, Nick Ferguson here. I mean, it's, it's, I find it quite interesting that you talk about Alex Smith and his poor performance at the quarterback position and uh, Kareem Hunt, uh, who got out to a fast start. But the first thing I like to look at is, you know, what, who's the guy calling the plays? And it's Andy Reid. So how much of that should be put on the players and how much of that should be put on Andy Reid's shoulder as a play caller? 
a ton absolutely goes on Andy Reid, and you know, like he's known to in the past. You know, he certainly blamed himself. They had just an atrocious start. I think their first five drives were were three and outs today, and this is against the Buffalo Bills team that looked like they had quit on the season after the last few weeks. They've given up a ton of yards, given up a ton of points. Uh, their head coach didn't know the direction of whether they were going to go with uh, a fifth-round pick in Nathan Peterman and ended up going back to Tyrod Taylor, which I think to the majority of us seemed like the right decision. Uh, but they just came out completely flat on the offensive side of the ball. He mentioned that the defense started off fast and they were physical and obviously made a, an impact signing if you believe that uh, Darrell Rivas still has something left in the tank. But uh, I'm with you. The, the play calling for Mandy has just been very conservative as of late. Uh, and part of why Alex was in the MVP conversation was he was taking a lot more chances down the field. They were using big play ability out of Kareem Hunt, out of Travis Kelsey, out of Tyree Kill. And I don't know whether it's been uh, a change in schema against them defensively or, or whether or not guys aren't 100%, but they're going back to that same conservative nature that, that got them in trouble and didn't allow for those big plays to happen before. It almost feels like they've taken so many steps back after – the first four or five games of the season where it really felt like they took several steps forward. We're spotlighting the Chiefs with Ben Heisler, 610 Sports at Kansas City. Ben, you referenced Kareem Hunt, who was sensational to start this rookie year. Simple enough to say he's hit the proverbial rookie wall? It's a fair question to ask, but I don't know if I buy it only because, you know, it's been, it's been this way for a long time. Andy Reid and, and this coaching staff did so much – to try and, and limit his carries. This wasn't a guy that was getting, you know, Leonard Fournette type of usage. He wasn't getting 25 to 30 touches a game. I mean, you look, Kareem Hunt is probably averaging about maybe you know, 15 to 17 touches over the last several weeks. And it, it, the numbers have gone constantly down and down. A lot of it is because they've been out of games. Uh, this is somebody that got plenty of work uh, over when he was uh, in the MAC, somebody that can handle it. He was a cold weather back. You know, I fully anticipated that after the bye for Kansas City, uh, in games against the Giants that have been uh, killed by the run recently, in games like Buffalo that have been destroyed by the run, that they would use Kareem Hunt to their advantage uh, and just make something happen and, and use that type of ability to control possession, to control clock, and, and basically allow for Alex Smith to open up play action to some of his uh, big play threats, and it just hasn't happened. So I don't know if it's necessarily a rookie wall, but I do think teams have started to change how they scheme against the, the Chiefs. And you're starting to see a few more guys in the box, and they haven't been creative in, in using him out of passing situations where he was so dominant the first month of the season. Ben, we saw Travis Kelsey uh, dominate against the Denver Broncos a couple of weeks back. Uh, they used him and opened him up from the formation. And uh, we haven't really seen Travis Kelsey being involved in offense that much as though he was earlier in the season. Uh, what, what could be a slowdown for that, and how can they get him involved more? It's another good question because you would think with that type of a weapon that you would want to use him as much as possible. You know, they've had some injuries. Uh, Albert Wilson came back today, but he's a wide receiver that maybe didn't put up a ton of numbers, but a guy that they liked out of the slot. Chris Conley, who was their number two wide receiver, he went down uh, several weeks ago. He's done for the year. So you would think, okay, you have this big play tight end. Arguably, you know, maybe some would argue he's the best tight end currently in football. Other people would say it would be Rob Gronkowski. It, it's a conversation that sort of is moot at this point because if you don't use that type of weapon consistently in your offense, then you have to ask yourself, what are you doing? Travis Kelsey has been somebody that can be absolutely dominant and can take over a game because he's a physical mismatch for almost anybody that's on him. I mean, you, you certainly know as someone who played in the NFL, that type of size and speed going down the field is very tough to guard. 
So I'm surprised when Alex isn't looking his way. He's not getting double, triple coverage all the time, especially down uh, at being a tight end. So your guess is as good as mine. But I know that when they go to Travis Kelsey, especially the way that they did early on this season, they tended to be successful. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they make it a priority, get back to Travis Kelsey as soon as they can. Ben, as always, we appreciate the information. Thanks for joining us again today right here on the NFL on TuneIn. You guys do a great job anytime. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Hey, I'm Jack. And I'm Chinjirai. We're the hosts of Uncivil, a new podcast from Gimlet Media. It's about the stories of the Civil War left out of the official history, how the Civil War never ended and is still with us today. With TuneIn, you can get the next episode of our show a full week early, so you can hear it before everyone else. Go to TuneIn.com slash Uncivil to check it out. That's TuneIn.com slash U-N-C-I-V-I-L. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, let's get Cordell Stewart's takeaways from Sunday's action. Cordell, we'll be talking about Jacksonville tomorrow in detail, irrespective of the final score here. How can anybody believe the Jaguars are the third best team in the AFC if Blake Bortles is still the quarterback? Well, because they're doing everything spite of Blake Bortles. I mean, it's amazing. You have Blake Bortles and Blaine Gabbert playing in the same game. Both guys played for the Jacksonville Jaguars who struggled. But yet you still have an opportunity to right now see Blake Bortles struggle. But yet this team, is, spite of his deficiencies, are still capable of staying in his football game. I mean, I just saw this interception thrown to Tyrod Taylor when sprinting out into the flat. I mean, come on. You, you see him sitting right there. He's covering T.J. Yeldon. He's He's shadowing him, the best thing you could do is either throw it to the receiver or throw it out of bounds. I mean, there's only two options there, but he gave you the worst one. One wasn't even on the test. He threw it to the other team. Same thing he did last week against the San Diego Chargers in a defense, of course, have to save the day. But these are the types of things, being that they are the third best team, I would say, in the AFC. Um, it goes to show you even though he struggles, this team plays well. If he just plays smart football, I didn't say he had to be the best quarterback on the football field. Just be smart no, you're in those, right, those situations. You know what do? Play like Case Keenum. Play error-free football. They be well, fine. I mean, since you brought that up, you guys know what time it is. I mean, you know exactly what time it is, guys. It's about that time of the day. It's Case Keenum. Come on. Do I need to say more? It's Case Keenum and the Minnesota Vikings. I have a case for you, just like Terry Bradshaw said. Case closed. This guy's the starter for the rest of the year, people. This guy has played some really good football over his time. He's come in, went on the road against a Detroit team that was pretty much making a great run from behind, but yet it was all about the quarterback and how he played because I thought that defense of Detroit played well to stop the run. He comes out, throws a first touchdown, and come back, he runs the next one. The defense finds ways to play good. They struggled a bit, but the guy in Case Keenum, he goes out there, give you 21 to 30, two touchdowns in the air, one on the ground. What more can you ask for for this guy? Does he need to do – have you drank the Kool-Aid yes, Brian Weber? Have you drank the Kool-Aid yet? Yes or no? And it's great, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, because they are the purple people eaters. We'll talk about this tomorrow. I'll concede he's playing at a high level. Here's your problem, Viking fan. Kai Forbath keeps missing yeah. kicks. Got to clean up special teams. Before we break that down, and Nick is here, but I'm on a roll, I have to tee you up for Akeem Tlaib and Michael Crabtree. Cornell, Tlaib got the chain again. Yeah, he's the chain. He's a chain reaper. 
He's not the Grim Reaper. He's the Chain Reaper. Every time he sees, every time you see Michael Crabtree, he's like, you know what? I got to get this one again. I'm taking it back to the homies. I'm taking it to the shop, and I'm going to make me something out of this. Maybe a medallion and put a key to leave on it. But those two guys have been going after, what, since last year, I would say. Uh, but but here's, here's the thing. When a guy has his helmet off, and I know you want to go at it, um, sometimes, man, you know, restrain yourself from uh, doing the crazy stuff because guys can really get hurt. And I know the intent was to try to do something to the player, but majority of the time is with the helmet off. But when a helmet comes off, man, you got to slow it down. And keep to leave. Come on, it goes from Dallas. I think it was where he uh, got an altercation at a nightclub. And Somebody now here it shot. is. He's bringing a nightclub out to the football field during the regular season. I mean, it, this team in, in the Denver Broncos is really struggling uh, you saw Paxton Lynch, he struggled his butt off. And then Trevor Simeon, he comes in and gives two touchdowns, put 14 points on the board for that football team. And and right now they're down by a touchdown. Uh, they end up making a big throw and a, and a big catch right here as we watch this game uh, by the Oakland Raiders and the Denver Broncos. And they have every bit of what, right at the two-minute uh, mark in, in the fourth quarter. Um, and it looks as if if they continue to do what they're doing with the lucky throw up in the air by Derek Carr, uh, they may end up pulling away from this game. But you know what? That's why you got to continue to play the game and you never know what's going to happen. But Aqib Tlaib and, of course, Michael Crabtree got run up out of there uh, because they were actually fighting and caused a brawl on the field that, that you don't want to see uh, regardless of, of who was the one that was at fault. You don't want to see that. Uh, Cordell, let me ask you this question. You, you watched the game and you were just talking about Paxson. Lynch, uh, and he's 9 of 14, 41 yards, and Trevor Simeon came in and uh, he's thrown two touchdowns. Is, is it fair to put all the blame on Pax and Lynch, knowing as though that offensive line has been abysmal all season long, and they they surrendered four sacks against the Oakland Raiders? It, it's I mean, can we just spread the the wealth around as far as blame, or is just Paxton's just playing bad football? Well, I just think you you, you throw it across the board because there there was there a running game before Paxton Lynch came in? Obviously not. Was there even pass protection for the most part? Uh, by this offensive line, uh, I would say no. Uh, was the quarterback play any good by Trevor Simeon and his start and Brock Osweiler when he came in? And I mean, everything is no. So I, I don't think you just blame Paxton Lynch. Uh, we knew he was a – he's kind of shell-shocked or, or even, um, you know, he's a deer in headlights because he hadn't figured it out yet. And, and, and it's unfortunate because he finally had an opportunity considering how tough the other two quarterbacks played – but yet he gives the window of opportunity uh, to get right back into the hands of Trevor Simeon and putting up 14 points. You have to assume he'll be the starter come next week. So it, it's tough right now in Denver. Uh, nothing's really working. I wouldn't blame Paxton Lynch for sure. I would not. Uh, but at the same time, th- th- this is a situation that needs to get corrected. I think this offseason, uh, you're going to have players out there like a Case Keenum, who I think may be available, maybe. But you never know. They may end up signing him. If he keep playing the way he's playing, they may lock him down before the season can even come to an end. Um, and then they may have even the guy Kirk Cousins out in Washington. I'm just saying, you, you're going to have Stop to try it. to find. But I'm just saying, you're going to have to find someone. And trust me, Kirk, Kirk Cousins is better than all three of those guys combined. I'm drinking that Kool-Aid. A lot of Kool-Aid, uh, and, and, pal. I, I no, think well, Kool-Aid or wine, whichever talk, one you wanted to be. And I'm going to help you take an early vacation on this show. We're going to talk for a few more minutes, but... Jacksonville just got the football back. Yeah. Arizona went three and out. So if the Jags are in field goal range, you understand how it works. I'm going to have to cut you off because I'm never rude. You know that. I'm a very polite cat. Yeah, Has the play. Raiders taken neither in the victory formation? They're going to defeat Denver 21-14. Final thought on Kansas City. 
What has happened to the Chiefs? A month ago, you and I and the rest of the sports media were handing the MVP award to Alex Smith. They lose to Buffalo. Kansas City has lost five of six. When do you think Andy Reid considers benching Alex Smith and going to the rookie Patrick Mahomes? Ooh, that's 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 a great question because watching him in his presser, he's not even thinking twice about as of today. Uh, I think he's probably going to be one of those coaches that's not going to be a part of, of the prison of the moment situations and, and, and allow himself to say something from an emotional standpoint as opposed to watching film and going back and make a very good decision. Um, I think that's smart. I think that shows the the maturity of a head coach and knowing that that's not the time to answer that question. But if I was a bet man, I would give it because they're still, I think, at the top of that. They're still in the – yes, they're still at the top of that division right now. Um, because you see Denver struggling. I know they beat, I know Oakland beat them. So if Oakland can win this game against the Broncos, uh, it brings them closer and closer to the Kansas City Chiefs. But there's no reason to panic because they're still at the top of the division for now. So it, it's going to boil down. And let's just, be, let's just be transparent here. It's all about Tyrod Taylor. He's the reason why they actually won that game. Let's just be real. Because just imagine if we would put Nathan Peterman in there. Great move by Coach, uh, who was it? Uh, Coach, 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 the, the head coach there. I can't even get it out right now. The head coach there in Buffalo. They ended up putting Tyrod Taylor McDermott, in. Sean McDermott, your guy. There it is. You know what I'm talking about. They end up putting him in the game, and, and, and all of a sudden, you find a Buffalo Bills team that probably may be a half a game out of it to maybe a game if it comes down to it because of what happened last week. So here it is. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a tough place for Kansas City to get back on that, and, and I don't think he makes a move quite yet. We'll probably figure out something by Wednesday. But if it was me, I would wait a little bit longer before I actually pull uh, that trigger. Because what is it, five out of the last six games they lost? Yeah, they've and, imploded. And, and, Here's the yeah, good and Alex Smith has thrown quite a few interceptions. So it, it's, um, it's getting uglier as the, as the weeks go by. Uh, I mean, you saw two receivers look like they were trying to get a screen uh, in the same position. One guy had to block, and the other guy had to catch the ball. They both said, you know what, hell, I'm not blocking. You block. He's I'm going to catch the football. And they both end up sitting there and trying to catch the ball and – they end up getting it fixed later, and they end up scoring a touchdown off the same play. But um, Kansas City is struggling, man. And like I told you guys before, like we talked on our show, Brian, the Chargers are making a run because I think they're playing some of the most physical, and they have more. They're more rhythmic and confident in what they're doing right now in comparison to the other teams within that division. So quiet is kept between us three, myself, oh. you, and Nick Ferguson. The Chargers just keep your eye on them. No, because the way they're and, playing right now, they're doing really a really good job. Our next guest is going to agree with you. Cordell, enjoy the remaining couple hours of your vacation. Tomorrow yeah. we're back to work, and we have a lot to dissect. Thanks, partner. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Hi, this is Ned Coletti from MLB on TuneIn, inviting you to check out my new audio book, The Big Chair, today on TuneIn Premium. The day Frank McCourt made me the 10th general manager in the long, proud history of the Los Angeles Dodgers, November 15th. 2005 was monumental for the Coletti family. I've been blessed to spend the last 35 years in Major League Baseball, all with iconic franchises, the Cubs, the Giants, and the Dodgers, where I was a general manager for nine seasons. In the big chair, I let listeners in on the intricacies of being an executive and a GM of a major sports franchise, share the process behind the trades, free agency, and the deals, shedding some light on how the money and decision-making really works. I'll also take you deep inside some of the thought process behind some of the major decisions led to success and titles, along with heartbreak and failure. If you're a baseball fan, 
Come for the inside and grit. If you're a sports fan, stay for the heart. Catch every exciting chapter of my new audiobook, The Big Chair, today on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for football and science to come together. It's time for the Playing with Science Checkdown, where science and sports collide. Today, we're pleased to be joined by our good friends, Chuck Nice and Dr. Eric Goff. Chuck, take it away. And man, we had a wild one today, and I'm talking wildcat with former Rutgers uh, quarterback Muhammad Sanu in a shotgun, and the play was just amazing. Uh, I think you have it for us, Brian, if I'm not mistaken. I do. i got to reach over, so before I hit that button, a reminder, you can catch every new episode of Playing With Science and the entire Star Talk lineup one week early, only on TuneIn. As you said, it was trickeration from Muhammad Sanu going deep to Julio Jones. Chuck, take us through the play. Ah, there you go, man. You want to talk about craziness. Eric, why don't you help us out with the physics on this one, Professor? Thanks, Chuck. So physics helped with a great pass from Sanu and great timing on Jones' run. Jones was in the left slot, lined up against Robert McLean, but right after the snap, Jones found himself in single coverage with safety Justin Evans. While that was going on, Sanu's fake handoff to Tevin Coleman knocked the ball off Coleman's right hip and into the air. Sanu caught the ball and unloaded his pass 3.1 seconds after the snap. When Sanu threw the ball, Jones was running at the Bucks' 33-yard line. After that point, Jones averaged 19 miles an hour to get to the ball just before reaching the end zone. Sanu had released the ball at 53 miles an hour and 44 degrees above the horizontal. The ball soared 16 yards above the turf and took 3.3 seconds to reach Jones. Air resistance dropped the speed of the ball to 47 miles per hour by the time it reached Jones's gut. He was falling as he caught the ball, but physics helped him score as his momentum took him into the end zone. And, and if not to add insult to injury, Sanu actually threw a perfect spiral on top of everything. Yeah, that's right. Sanu's fingers had to exert torque on the football to get it spinning to about 10 revolutions per second or 600 RPMs. That's one and a third times a helicopter's rotor blades, Chuck. Oh, my God. That's that's a pretty cool factoid. You're, the ball spinning faster than a helicopter rotor blade, it's a good thing that it doesn't take fingers off like a helicopter <laughs> rotor blade. I mean, my fingers, because I'm, everybody knows I'm made of chocolate and candy. So, But, hey, thanks a lot, Eric. Back, hey, Brian, thank you, man. Uh, 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 awesome play for you guys to pick. Thank you. My pleasure. Now, Chuck, because I'm a pop culture maven, if you're talking helicopters, I'm thinking Arnold Get to the chopper! Get to the chopper! Get to the chopper! Get to the chopper! (laughs) That's not bad, Brian. I like it. (laughs) I do what I can. Fellas, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll chat with you next week. Thanks a lot, man. Take care. That was the Playing With Science Checkdown. Make sure to check out the Playing With Science podcast with new episodes premiering one week early. All free, only on TuneIn. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Hi, everyone. I'm Jill Wagner, anchor at Cheddar. If you aren't familiar with Cheddar, it is a business news network broadcast daily from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange and Flatiron Building in New York City, the White House, and our L.A. studio. 
Cheddar is the go-to source for millennials, covering the most innovative products, technologies, and services. Recent guests include Mark Cuban, the fat Jewish former NBA commissioner David Stern. Our content is live and on demand at Cheddar.com, spelled just like the cheese, or right here on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's celebrate individual achievement with Nick's picks. You're listening to NFL First and Goal on TuneIn. It's time for Nick's picks. Excuse me if my game got me full of myself. It's something that I just can't help, especially when I got you spinning like windmills because my game is as cold as ice 30 below minus the wind chill. Tom Brady, 18 of 28, 227 yards, four touchdowns and one interceptions as the Patriots roll again. There are players on your squad that would do anything to stop me. Five on the line and I still got it popping. Too bad it wasn't enough to stop me. Alvin Kamara, five carries, 87 yards, four receptions, 77 yards, and one touchdown for a total of 154 combined on the day. It's lonely at the top. That's why I'm the best. If you're not first, you're last. So watch my tail lights as I zoom on past. Carson Wentz, 23 of 38, 227 yards, and three touchdowns. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.